welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Morning everyone. Thank you Rod. Should we just pray? Lord, we pray that um, you'd speak into the very depths of us this morning. Not just stuff on the surface, Lord. We pray that you'd speak right deep into our souls. Pray that the cleansing, refreshing balm of your word and your spirit would wash over us this morning, Lord. And we offer you ourselves, Lord. We tune in to you. Thank you for your presence here. And we just tune in to listen to you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. It's Harvest Sunday. Um, When I was a kid, I grew up before I kick that over. I grew up in a farming community. So I grew up in a village just outside of here called Staverton. And it was back in the days when farmers lived in villages rather than rich people from, vi- from towns. So the whole village, I had friends whose dads worked on the farms. They lived, some of them lived in tied cottages. So their cottage was part of the deal. I had friends whose parents were farmers. I had friends whose parents were farm managers. I saw kids in my school grow up and become people who worked on the farm. So it was a farming community and um, it was fun. And the fields were, the fields felt like they were ours because the kids I played with, their, their parents worked on the fields. So we, never, we felt like all the fields were our back garden and we used to go and make dens and play in the woods and take the dogs out and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was a farming community. And every year, I was a kid, but there was this mysterious night. And the mysterious night was called the Harvest Supper. And the Harvest Supper was a time when there was still a manor house. Now, this is going to make me sound really old, but there was still a manor house, and there was a guy that lived in the manor house. And I, I assume that was back from the days when it was feudal, you know, that he owned all the land and people farmed it. It wasn't like that, but there was a couple of big family farmers. But there was this big manor house with a guy that lived in it. And Mum and I were trying to remember what we called him. I think we called him the Canon. I think he'd been a vicar or something. I don't really remember him. He was a mysterious figure that lived in this big house. But every year, once a year, he'd give the main dining room, which was one of those dining rooms with a massive fireplace, and it was a huge place. He'd give it to the villages. And there were two villages. He'd give it to both villages. And all of the adults would go and have a harvest supper. Now, I don't know exactly what went on at the harvest supper, because I never went, because I was a kid. But it was a huge event. 
basically all the babysitters were paid, I think, extremely well. I think there was almost like a bidding war for babysitters at that point because it was how you could get a babysitter to look after your kids so you could go to the harvest supper. And for one night in the year, the farmers put down all their worries. They put down the fact of whether the, the harvest had been as good or as bad, as difficult, all the exhaustion of the hard work, all the worries of what happened next, all of the money stuff, the loans and the payback and the big, was it enough money this year, all of that, they put it down and they just partied. They just partied. They just gave thanks. And as a village, the whole village stopped and joined in. We've kind of lost that a bit, haven't we? And particularly as Christians, we like to go, well, you know, life is really hard. So, and I'm, I'm, I kind of, I'm quite, I'm a bit woke, so I understand that life isn't easy for everyone. So I wouldn't want to be too happy. But actually, if we look at the Bible, this theme of thankfulness runs through the whole Bible. It's like a theme that runs through everything. Could we have the first slide, Susie? Next one. Thank you. So these are, I don't know whether you can read that, but these are a few of the verses just in the New Testament. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the, same, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, since as members of the one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Have you ever spent some time with somebody who isn't really very thankful? You don't want to go for a beer with them. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because these people weren't living lives that were any happier than ours. The people this were written to, many of them had worse, lives a lot worse than ours. Both in terms of the society they were in, the family relationships they were in, the stuff that was going on in the church. It was pretty messy stuff. And a lot of them were even li living in really oppressive situations. And yet God says, be thankful. So the real question is, isn't it, what are we thankful for? What are we thankful for? If you press again, Susie. These are from the Old Testament. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I just picked three, there's loads of them. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And I've said before, my favorite word in the whole Bible is this one word, that, and that love, word is translated from that. It's the word called hesed. 
It means so much more than love. It means God's absolute commitment. It means his total acceptance. It means his loving hand. It means his forgiveness. It means his healing. It means his covenant relationship. It means his total commitment and acceptance to us as humans, as people, as individuals, the very soul of who we are deep down that we don't show anybody else. God's love endures forever. God's love endures forever. It was something a lot deeper that was going on here. In fact, we know that when Jesus was at the Last Supper, heading towards his death, the last thing he sang before he walked out of the door to the cross was, give thanks to the Lord for he is good because his hesed endures forever. Jesus went to the cross with those words ringing in his ears. This theme of the last, the only word that matters in our lives is hesed. It's God's love, God's acceptance, and God's grace. So when the Bible says give thanks, there's lots of stuff we can give thanks for, and we are blessed. We're so blessed. And when you see um, Ondo up on the screen there, their lives are so much harder than ours. We have so many things. We are so blessed. But actually, God calls us to be thankful because his love endures forever. We were looking at this in our hub um, this week, and I guess all of us were. And this Romans 8, I don't know whether any of you, the rest of you did the reflection, but it just, we did the reflection in our hub, and this, this passage was read, and it was like nobody wanted to talk afterwards. It was like an electric moment. None of these things that we're facing phase us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's hesed because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his hesed endures forever. So in the, in the reading we were hearing um, that Sue read to us, it talked about Jesus walking around, giving everybody the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. It's a really weird passage. It's an interesting passage, this, because I don't know about you, but as I grew up, there were preachers that used to come and they were called evangelists. And the evangelists would say things like, if you walked out of this building today and you were hit by a bus, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? If you loved Jesus at any point other than the way you love him now, if you've loved him more than that at any time, you're backslidden. Make a decision, where are you going to go? Is it hell or is it heaven for you? And their whole structure was around 
where you go when you die. And I can find no evidence of Jesus speaking like that. In fact, this passage is really interesting. So if we go to the next slide, it forces us to ask ourselves, what is the good news of the kingdom? If you want to look it up, it's Matthew 9, 35 to 38. But we heard it read. So Jesus is going around, he's preaching, and he stops and looks at some crowds. And he's just filled with compassion on them. He's filled with compassion for them. Is it because they're going to hell? Not according to the scripture. Not according to this passage. So it doesn't say Jesus had compassion on them because they were going to hell. The first thing it says, if we press again, Susie, thank you, is that he saw them. He saw them. And that word saw means he looked deep into their hearts. Have you ever felt really seen? I have a friend who, he died a couple of years ago, but he used to somehow miraculously turn up at crucial moments in my life. And when I talked to him, it was like he really saw me. I could talk to him about what was going on, my struggles, and he saw me. And we'd have a conversation that was more than just a kind of, how are you, how are the kids? He saw me. That's what this means, this passage. Jesus saw them. He saw them. He saw what was going on in that deep place that maybe they didn't show anyone else. He saw them. Why was he filled with compassion? If we click again. He was filled with compassion because they were harassed and helpless. And actually it gets better than that because this is, if you play around with some of these and look at what some of these words actually mean, if we click again, Susie, what these words really mean when you look at the roots of them is they were weary and scattered. Weary and scattered. Now, I don't think that meant that he was looking at a crowd and it was like so far apart that it was really scattered and he felt really sorry for them because they were miles apart. It was something deeper than that. Have you ever struggled with the overwhelming tasks of your life? The things you have to do the things you have to deal with, all the stuff to worry about. Your parents, the kids, your siblings, the mortgage rate, the increase in food prices, the utility bills. What's going to happen next? It's like this now, what's going to happen next? The car, your health. It's like a list, isn't it, of stuff. Have you ever felt scattered by it? Have you ever felt like it's like one of those games where you're just trying to hit the next thing that pops up? 
They were weary and scattered. And Jesus, he just filled with compassion for them. He filled with compassion for them. That's really interesting. John talks about this in the Revelation. I've just finished a book about the Revelation, so I'm a bit boring about the Revelation at the moment, but I'm just going to pick this one verse rather than bang on. So John, I think if we click again, we'll get to this. Oh, sorry. So they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So let's just think about that for a minute as well. So like a sheep without a shepherd, but it wasn't that they were all individually off at different places. It was something about the inside of them that was unshepherded. Do you know what I mean? There was like a scattered, like the inside of them was in pieces and scattered amongst all these things. So we'll go on to John. No, we won't. We've gone to Peter. I've got the wrong order. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The verse that talks about, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, he says, I will restore your soul. Jesus' compassion was for their scattered souls. The thing deep inside them that was just being blown around and pulled around and all of that stuff, they were scattered and weary. And Jesus had compassion for them. Now we're getting to the slide I keep talking about. So John talks about a life... This is Revelation 1, either 8 or 9, I can't remember. But he talks about a life of suffering and patient endurance. Sounds like a Friday night, doesn't it? It's a Friday night. You've been through the week. There's been stuff chucked at you that you've just had to deal with. Stuff from the outside. Nothing to do with you, not your problem, but you've got to deal with it. Suffering. And there's also just the stuff you have to get on with and get done. Patient endurance. Just getting through, doing the right thing. Most of the world lives like this. And many of us live like this. I find myself slipping into this kind of life. If I can just get through the week. Wednesday looks like a nightmare day. If I can just get through Wednesday, I'll be fine. Oh no, here's something else. The car's gone wrong. Suffering and patient endurance. We live a life, don't we, of managing all that stuff. Some of it seems really unfair. Some of it is just the stuff of life. But John puts something else into the middle of it. He says that there's something else for us in Jesus. And it's the kingdom. John talks about a life of suffering. Yep. Patient endurance. Yep. But he talks about the kingdom. Your kingdom come. So Jesus' compassion, looking at this crowd, was not because they're going to hell. He didn't say that. It was because they weren't experiencing the kingdom right now. The little glimpses. Hang on. 
We've been singing songs this morning. Josh didn't know that I was going to talk about that. But we've been singing songs about even when it doesn't look like you're working, I know you're working. We get preoccupied, don't we, with our lives, our things, our bodies, our family. And yet there's a bigger truth. There's a bigger kingdom. And it's there, just beneath the surface. On Thursday night in our hub, I was talking to some of the people in our hub about something in my life that I'm finding difficult and finding hard to navigate. Something that I don't know how to feel about. And something that is a struggle for me. And somebody else in the hub who's been through a similar thing just suddenly turned to me and gave me a big hug. And at that moment, didn't say anything, just gave me a hug. It was a moment of the kingdom. It was a holy moment. When God, I know they're great, aren't they, Sue? It was a moment when in the suffering and the patient endurance, we all had a little glimpse of the kingdom. It's a fascinating thing, isn't it, that we live our lives missing it. I live my life missing it so much. Regardless of what you're going through right now, I just want to encourage you. The kingdom is there. There's another thing that Jesus ends by saying. The question is, are you experiencing the harvest of the kingdom? It's not an easy thing to find. The other theme in the Bible is people looking for it, searching for it, leaving everything behind, being willing to give up everything for it. And this passage ends by saying, if you click again, Susie, the workers are few. There are so few people, there's so few of us, aren't there? It's crazy that do the work to find the kingdom. I see it in myself. And Jesus says to these people, you're scattered. You're scattered. But you know what? The harvest is plentiful. The kingdom is there. In these moments that are hard. But the workers are so few. Let's go out and let's go for the harvest. No matter what your life is right now, and I know there are hard things going on for many of us in our lives, his love endures forever. For you right now, his love endures forever. His kingdom and his love is there. I want to read you the psalm that Jesus sang at the Last Supper. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And we're going to give thanks. When we go out, you have, you have permission. When you go and eat your um, pork, bap, whatever it is, ask people what they're thankful for. We're just doing it to celebrate. We're just doing it because God's love endures forever. That will have been expressed to all of us in different ways. What are you thankful for? Give thanks to the Lord, 
for he's good. His love endures forever. Let all of us say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me and I'm not going to be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies, the things that take me down. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. And it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in celebrities. I was pushed back and about to fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. I will not die, but live. And I'll proclaim what the Lord has done. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone of my life. The Lord has done it, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, save us and grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His hesed... Let's just close our eyes. When we, when we do worship with the kids out the back, I'll tell you what, there's an amazing thing happening with the kids that you don't know about, probably. We sing songs, and then we close our eyes. And together as a group, we think about our lives. Think about your life. Think about the places where you're struggling, the places where you feel scattered. I want to tell you right now, his hesed endures forever. Right now, give thanks to the Lord. His hesed. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his hesed endures for you forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.